Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Claudia Monicelli with another episode of Multiple Voices. My Multiple Voices podcast, true to its name, includes different series. For example, we have the Voices of Love, where we discuss relationships, the voice of empowerment, the voice of laughter and play, the voice of pleasure, and the magical voice of archetypes and how they change the way we live. But we also have the voice of memory that includes everything from history to discussions of past life regression. There's also writing voices where we interview both seasoned writers and authors who have just started getting their feet wet with writing and we learn what can work for you as potential writers. Our series called Voice of the Spirit discusses different forms of spirituality and religion. And then Channeling Voices is a series that covers what happens when you channel, but is also extended to mediumship. Take a moment to review this podcast if you've enjoyed listening, and leave a hearty five stars. I'd appreciate it. Enjoy your listening. Today, this episode is brought to you by Stamps.com. Since 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly one million businesses. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're an office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier easier. All you need is a computer and a standard printer. No special supplies or equipment. And within minutes, you're up and running. Printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send it. And you'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from USPS and UPS. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. No traffic, no lines. Cut the confusion out of shipping. With Stamps.com's new rate advisor tool, you can compare shipping rates and timelines to easily find the best option. Save time and money with Stamps.com. There's absolutely no risk. And with my promo code, POD, that's P-O-D, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. 
Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in POD. That's P-O-D. That's stamps.com, promo code P-O-D. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Ladies and gentlemen, especially if you have a small business, it is really, you know how hard it is to get things going. It's usually a one-man show. And I've had only positive experiences with stamps.com. Try it. You'll like it. Okay, here we are with Gemma Bailey. Uh, Gemma is from the UK. She's here with us today. I'm so thankful that she was able to come. Thank you, Gemma, for being with us today. Um, Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Now, why am I having her here? Why? Why was she the chosen one today? Well, (laughs) she's lived an extraordinary life, Um, a great deal of success. Okay. And um, not typically success that went from point A to B, but she did so when a whole bunch of hardships uh, came and were hit, you know, she was hit with so many hardships, family difficulties. And in a period of life, of this type of difficulty, many of us would turn to other type of, you know, activities. And what did she do? She started to train to become a neuropsychologist. But before I, you know, she was opening a business and then that changed and it changed so many times. I'm going to ask her to tell us, come on in, Gemma. (laughs) Thank you so much. Gosh, yes, where to begin? (laughs) Well, well, where to begin? You're so young and, you know, knowing, uh, reading your bio, it's so full of things. And I'm wondering, when did you do all this? When? Yeah, good question. Yeah, I um so in the very very beginning I was a nursery nurse. So I was trained to work with children in mm-hmm. like a kindergarten right, setting. Right. Mm-hmm. Um and in some ways I was very fortunate because I was accelerated to nursery management level at oh. a really young age. Okay. Um so there how, was a, how a young? Company- 24 okay so that's young for a managerial yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah. um and that gave me lots of experience not all of it good um but it also showed me that it wasn't really what I had wanted it to be Mm -hmm. um why not what was it that you didn't like about it I think that when I started working with children Uh or certainly when I was at college I had an idea that I was going to be making a difference in the world oh you know that's That's, why I really you know then we start to grow wings and the wings aren't big enough right (laughs) (laughs) so then what yeah you know I thought I'm going to be changing the world by working with these children and it turned out I was just changing lots of nappies instead um welcome to the club yeah I think management kind of, uh, it was just a different kind of stress, really. Mm-hmm. And anything that I did and mastered 
I quickly became bored of. Right. So I was not really the ideal person for working with children because, yeah, you know, patience. you want to be providing routine and yeah. consistency. And I'm like, I've been here for six months. I've mastered the routine. Right. I need to move on with my life. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I know people who are not that patient. So then yeah. what happened? Because you do talk about opening a business. Yes, exactly. So I realized that I wanted to ideally have a change of career. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to work in psychology in mm-hmm. some way, shape or form. But because I had responsibilities by then, doing something like uh, going to university, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it, it just didn't seem financially feasible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came across some alternative mm-hmm. types of therapies. So um, hypnotherapy was one that I looked at. Um, and NLP, which is right. neuro-linguistic programming, mm-hmm. um, which is a bit like an alternative to yeah. cognitive behavior therapy. Right. Um, so I did some studies in those areas and I started to see some clients. You know, I mentioned it to a few people and a few people said, oh, I've got anxiety or I'd like to mm-hmm. lose weight. Um, and for a long time, I was kind of in both worlds. I was mm-hmm. both... Uh, starting up seeing clients, loosely kind of self-employed and also still working in nursery. Uh Um, And there came a point when it was exhausting to be doing both. Uh Um, And eventually I was actually working for a private family by that point. So I was a nanny. Mm -hmm. Um, I realized that there wasn't going to be a... So at a certain point, Gemma, sorry if I... um interrupt at a certain point you decided to leave the nursery then yes yes so I completely left I left the nursery um really because I I think I felt that there wasn't enough support for me as such a young manager Mm -hmm. and I knew that I wanted to focus on starting up my business Mm -hmm. And I just reached a, a probably burnout, to be quite right, honest. Right, probably. You know, from, sounds from like doing it. both. Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. The nanny job that I went to, the children were in school. So I had a long stretch in the day where I yeah. had time to myself. And that made it so that I could focus on my business in that time. So it really felt like I was kind of having my cake and eating it. So, so when you I talk had... about business, your business at that yeah. point, what was it? So at that point, I was working with clients, um, helping them with all sorts of different mental and emotional issues um, and using NLP and mostly hypnosis back then. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was also starting to carve out a training company. Mm -hmm. So I was starting to write manuals so that I would be able to teach NLP to other people in the future. Mm -hmm. So Um, let's say... uh, training in the sense of teacher training or training of trainers um not training it wasn't coaching then no so it wasn't Mm -hmm. coaching it was really teaching other people how to become coaches Mm -hmm. yeah um so yeah i i kind of had it i had quite a nice balance there for a while of writing my manuals during the day, seeing some clients in the evenings, and then kind of tending to the children in between that I now are you for. Are you yet 30 at that point? Uh, yes, I probably was <laughs> okay. early 30s, like, mm-hmm. yeah, late 20s, mm-hmm. early 30s. 
and there just came a point where the scales tipped and the number of clients I was seeing was growing the interest in my training you know I'd I delivered a training and I'd taken holiday from the nanny job to be able to deliver the training mm -hmm. and the people that were on the course were thinking oh she's got this great business delivering training and they had no idea that I also had like another, another full-time job right <laughs> so yeah there just came a point at which I thought I can't do both anymore. And I, I recognized that the burnout signs were creeping were back up on mm -hmm. me again. Yeah. So I handed in my notice at the nanny job and yeah, took the leap into going full time, uh, working on growing and building the business. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was sadly not as easy as I might have liked it to be. Mm -hmm. um, she smiles. <laughs> she yes, smiles. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it took a long time before I found uh, a kind of good equilibrium where the business was generating enough revenue that I felt like I could comfortably sleep at night and, you know, not have to worry so much. But in all honesty, I think I... I went into business with no business experience mm -hmm. and I didn't know really that so much of my time and energy would be going into marketing right. rather than working with clients. Yeah, you hello. Know. Yeah. yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh -huh. So yeah, it was a steep and somewhat uncomfortable learning curve for the next mm -hmm. few years. Um, and eventually I got some coaching yeah. actually around, uh, you know, specifically around marketing your business mm -hmm. and that helped tremendously um and yeah since then there's been you know other kind of growth spurts other yeah. businesses that i've also created along the way um other and, businesses now what kind yes. of businesses were they so i now have my original company which is the training company called people building and that's the one that i also deliver uh, coaching through right. as well mm -hmm. um, and i mainly work with uh entrepreneurs who are on the verge of burnout because i know that subject quite well um <laughs> and my biggest lots, there are lots oh, yeah, there's of lots. Them. yeah yeah definitely um, my biggest company is NLP for Kids, and that mm -hmm. one is a franchise. It's a children's franchise. Mm -hmm. um, and I teach people how to use NLP specifically with children and families. Mm -hmm. So we help them so when they're... So this is really a niche market. Yeah. Oh, yeah, very is, much so. And, yeah. uh, you know, before you started doing this, did you go out and look at your competitors? That's the first rule of thumb. In, in, yeah. You did yeah. you, and you saw that there was a need for that. Yeah, so um, obviously I was already working in NLP. Right. Um, it was actually a friend of mine who had done training with me who said, you know, we should really niche this and we should uh -huh. think about, you know, using NLP in a more specific way. And I said, what do you have in mind? And she said, I think NLP with children would be a really good idea. And I was mm -hmm. like, no, I'm done with working with children. <laughs> <laughs> that was my immediate reaction. Yeah. She was like, no, it's a really good idea. Um, so we developed a program, a uh -huh. workshop initially, um, and it went really well. And then uh, she got married and moved away and we did not have a kind of equal split in terms oh. of work ethic yes. and, and productivity. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm very much a, you know, 
uh, in some ways I have to discipline myself about when to stop work mm -hmm. rather than when to start it. And I think she had the opposite problem. So we made an agreement that what she about, would step um, back. What about the skill set? Were you both, uh, say, outward extending people or, yeah. you know, the, the client getter? And one was more of a back office. How, how did that work? Yeah, good question. I think that um, we, I think from a values perspective, we were on the same page. Mm -hmm. We were, and still to this day, are very, very good friends. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we had similar ideas about what needed to happen. Oh, wait, you're, um, you're going far away from the answer. I can't yeah, wait for the punchline. But, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. Um, I think that I'm very much a, I see this needs doing, so I will do it mm -hmm. type of a person. And she was more, and not necessarily incorrectly, I see that this needs doing, who do we get to do this? Mm -hmm. And when yeah. you have a brand new business, you're either coming at it with an investment of, money or time and energy right um in my opinion mm -hmm. so from my perspective you know i wasn't coming at it with an investment of money so mm -hmm. i couldn't outsource stuff mm -hmm. which meant that i was putting in the time and energy right. to get those things done myself um and when we came together um equally you know we mm -hmm. weren't bringing any mon money into starting up a new business right so when the question would come up of i see this needs doing yeah um how do we get it done i would just do it you know i would do yeah. whatever the doing was that needed to be done um whereas uh i think for her maybe she would have ideally outsourced a lot more things mm -hmm. but also maybe because we were both quite new to the world of business, maybe not quite sort of understood whether what we were doing was helpful or, you know, whether we were working with the right people, for example. Mm -hmm. So you you prefaced all of this by saying she's still a very good friend of mine. She is. Yeah. <laughs> and you're still working together, right? No, we don't ah, work together ooh, anymore. Wendy, that's why no. you salvaged the friendship there. There you go. Yeah. So it was, um, it was, a really, from my perspective, a difficult conversation to have. Uh -huh. And I spent a long time thinking about it and talking to other friends and family. And because the most important thing to me was to preserve the friendship. Right. But at the same time, I felt like the balance was really off. Yes. Particularly in the distribution of the work. And I think I spent a long time um, kind of excusing that. Yeah. And there came a point where there was the potential that we might make some money. Mm -hmm. And when I could see that potential on the horizon, I had a very honest conversation with myself mm -hmm. where I asked myself the question, will you be okay about doing a 50-50 split on the money that's made here? Yeah. And the answer was no, right. because I feel like I did 80% of the work. So yeah. why would I only take 50% of the right. money? Mm -hmm. 
this was when my business head was starting to kick in, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was really what prompted me. And that was the basis of the conversation. Yeah. You know, I said, obviously, you've you've got a very busy life. And so I completely appreciate you can't put in the time and energy that I can. Right. But I'm also worried that in the future, I might start to grow resentful of the imbalance Mm -hmm. and the split of the shares and the split of the profits. So very delicately put, delicately, delicately, <laughs> delicately. <laughs> you said that in a very delicate way. And yes. you took care of business, as they say. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the it doesn't stop there. No. You, how, did you buy her out? How did, how did that end? Yeah, so um, the good thing was that it was so new at that point in time, mm -hmm. and the company wasn't even uh, legally uh, formed. You know, mm -hmm. this was an agreement between friends ah, at this point in time. Interesting. So, yeah. Very so lucky she for you. said, famous last words, um, you can take it and run with it because I don't think there's any money in it anyway. Aha, uh -huh. there you go. Uh -huh. Sayonara. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, she's still biting her fingernails now. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. yeah, that business is now the one that pays my mortgage. So <laughs> I'm like, Mwaha, no money, you'll say. <laughs> So, yeah, that one's become my biggest and busiest business of the mm -hmm. ones that I have. It takes mm -hmm. up quite a lot of, uh, still takes up quite a lot of time and energy. Mm -hmm. um, so we have 26 franchisees. So mm -hmm. those are people that are using our branding and working under our guidance. And So that all you know, took after you uh, split yeah. from her, with her. From her. From her. Yeah. Uh, until now, how much time elapsed? Mm, until now maybe probably about eight years eight years in those eight years yeah. you started franchising after how long oh it was two years later wow, that's fast that started very fast yeah. so yeah. your marketing skills i mean who who is that famous did you have did you fall in love with the marketing person <laughs> i mean <laughs> have you come around and do all that yeah um, yeah I, yeah <laughs> tell us much. that story um, <laughs> <laughs> i worked with a few different mentors around marketing okay i um, love that because mentors yeah. could be me male or female so we will not yes. scrape under the surface go on <laughs> yeah so the first one i worked with um was uh there's actually it's a franchise called action coach mm -hmm. and i I think I bought like maybe six sessions with him. So I didn't uh -huh. jump in for like a year long program. Well, six is plenty. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was. It really was. Yeah. Um, the good thing that came from that was he made me do a time audit to what exactly show him. exactly is a time audit? So it was a breakdown of every day of the week in yeah. 15 minute increments. Oh my God. Oh my God. My, yeah. my heart. I have. It's, it's going to give you anxiety, painful, right? right? I got anxiety <laughs> yeah. hit already. Yeah. So when when we first got talking, he kind of said, "It sounds like you're not doing enough of the right thing in your business, oh, and you're probably wasting a lot of time on social media." Oh, sure. Uh, and I was like, uh -huh. in his eye. <laughs> right." So I did this time audit, and then he came back in and looked at it, and he was like, "Oh." oh, okay, I see what's happening. And I was like, what's happening? And he was like, you need staff. He was like, that's the problem. Good for him. Good for yeah, him. Yeah, and I was like, okay, fair play. Um, but yeah, on the whole, I didn't really 
like I, I found his uh, his manner was very accusational like the whole uh, oh, you're yeah it sounds like it it's media. you know the social media yeah yeah yes. but how did you stick it out up until the yeah, sixth so session. I, I, I completed the sessions, oh, but I also decided not to reinvest. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. Yeah. So then after that, I had um, a, a different, uh, it was more like a program that I signed mm -hmm. up to, a coaching program. With there another person. There were lots person. of other people there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another person um, who was a very, very good marketer, um, but didn't really understand the concept of a franchise. So I did get, you know, probably a whole handful of really good marketing ideas from him, but he gave me a piece of advice, which I took a kind of against my own better judgment, judgment you know, yeah. I sort of went against my gut feeling around it, but I convinced myself, well, he knows what he's talking about. Um, so he convinced me that to make it easier for people to make a decision to buy the franchise, mm -hmm. I should get rid of the monthly fee that they pay to remain part of the franchise team. Well, then how would you make your money? I mean, so I would sell them training in the beginning. Yeah. And then after that, they're with me for life. So it's basically you for lifetime life support means that a percentage of their earnings would go to you directly yes. for life. So usually with a franchise, there is either you take a percentage of what they make every month mm -hmm. or you take a fixed fee every month. Uh -huh. um, and my, my one and still is uh, set up at a fixed fee. So right. if my franchisees are like super successful, they don't owe me any more money because right. of it. Mm -hmm. um, so he basically said, drop the monthly fee. You charge them at the beginning for their training and then you continue providing them business support, but they're not paying you it on that monthly fee basis anymore. Well, how would they pay you? They wouldn't. No more? And no you more. went for no. that? You went one, for that? One fee, one free fee up front and then lifetime support thereafter. Oh my God, no. no. Yeah, it was, a, it was a horrendously bad idea. Um, yeah, but did you, if you had started it, that yeah. means you had to complete it in the sense uh, if some people signed up for it you had to give them life are you still yeah yeah absolutely so i still support? to this day oh, have no, maybe no, no. Oh, five no. oh, who are not paying a monthly oh, no, fee no, no, no. because they signed up to a contract which was a lifetime support <gasps> uh, yeah um and yeah it just drained me so much because you know they were calling and needing stuff and i need a website i need business cards oh, no, and all no, of this no, stuff no. we were mm -mm. doing completely for free it was an absolute nightmare so i was fortunate in that um a few years later someone who used to own a large uh quite famous children's franchise here in the uk mm -hmm. had sold his business and instead gone into the business of coaching and mentoring franchisors ah and he he reached out to me ah, um, how did he find you um i think he was probably social media of, tell me maybe yeah <laughs> <laughs> well that's social media i'm on right all right um i think he was looking for new business and he probably yeah. found our website something uh -huh. like that so he reached out and um i always remember that first meeting with him because we sat down together and um I think his plan was that he was going to be the one leading the meeting. 
and mm-hmm. we sat down and I just went, tell me what you can do for me. Oh, good I've for got you. 30 minutes. Go. Good. And he was a bit like, ah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we, we had a really good chat and I was, you know, super honest about like the challenges in the business. Mm-hmm. And he said, um, we're bringing back the franchise fee. And I was like, oh my God, it's going to be a nightmare. They're going to hate it. People aren't going to go for it. You know, Mm -hmm. I had lots of worries about it. Um, And it took time, you know, it took time to sort of re-educate the audience Mm -hmm. that there were these new, new rules. Um, And yeah, yeah, and that's kind of, you know, the next step that I took. So, so, so what happened after all of this, these eight years and um, what was the, I, 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 there was a family issue. Your parents were ill. Yeah. So um, my, my parents were separated since I was a child. Uh Um, My dad had always been a big drinker Mm -hmm. of alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, more of a binge drinker than mm. you know daily drinking, but Maybe enough you want that it to tell has... the audience the difference of binge drinking. Yeah, so binge drinking is when you. Uh, maybe have one or two nights in the week where you just drink loads like you really go for it until you fall to the ground yeah. until you are unconscious. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Whereas someone with alcoholism or what's, you know, maybe more traditionally thought of as alcoholism might look more like someone who is drinking in secret, drinking every day, Mm -hmm. you know, they can't live without it. So my dad could go for days, you know, maybe even a a few weeks without drinking. Uh But then when he did, he did it to an extreme. Mm -hmm. Um, And because he did do that regularly, for yeah. him, it was part of his social circle. You know, ah. That was how he mm-hmm. uh, connected with his friends. So it had some significant impacts on his health. Mm-hmm. And um, it would be a- around seven years ago now that um, he, it, like the health was really in a bad place. Weak, he had yeah. diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a hole in his liver. Oh, of course. Um, These things happen always in yeah, threes. They, There's always exactly, a bunch of things accumulate. that happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How old was he was at the time when he passed? He was uh, 62. Oh, my goodness. He's so young. Really, really so young. young. Yeah, super young. Yeah, he hadn't even retired yet or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just had like probably what still to this day was like the biggest leap in my business life because I leap had decided in the sense to... of a productivity positive yeah, yeah like yeah. a big step a big big Good. step mm-hmm. so I decided to buy premises uh-huh. um and the purchase of premises was back in my hometown where my parents lived uh-huh. so I also moved myself back here at the mm-hmm. same time and and kind of re-entering into a more regular contact with them was what made me start thinking, hmm, things are not looking too good here. So with my dad, it was his physical health is really declining. Mm-hmm. And he was, uh, you know, a few times I'd get a phone call to say, your dad's in an ambulance, he's on his way to hospital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it would be his heart rate had gone, you know, like out of the beat you know right, the, right. the pattern was off um mm-hmm. which was uh, a result of his kidneys failing mm-hmm. um so he yeah three months after i moved back i think maybe more maybe. about six months after i moved back he passed away mm-hmm. um and 
when he died, the day that he died, I came back home and there was people obviously I wanted to inform and one of them was my mum. Yeah. Um, even though they were divorced, you know, she still knew him and yeah, he was sure. still my dad. So I contacted her and said, I just wanted to let you know that my dad died this afternoon. And the first thing she said was, how much money do you think you'll get for selling his flat? his apartment and I was a bit like huh (laughs) I really hadn't thought about any of that (laughs) I've just got back from the hospital and so that evening she came to my house and I was you know by then it all kind of hit me and I was crying and I opened up the front door and I was like you know snotty face all of this um and she said uh I don't want to be here, but your nan and granddad said I should see if you're okay. And I went, uh, okay. And she said, I'll come in though if you put the X Factor on the television. (laughs) (laughs) All of these conditions. And so it was just like these very strange things that she would say and do. And she'd been a bit strange my whole life, which was what made it very difficult to define that this was a different level of strange. Strange, yeah. Yeah, this is like a new strange. It's different to the old strange. So um, after a while, I spoke to other people in my family and said, my mum seems like... Yes, strange. strange. <laughs> she just seems strange. And they were like, we thought she seems strange too. She's done this, this and this. Yeah, yeah. Or she said this crazy thing. Um, And so I convinced her that we should go to the doctor. We went to the doctor and the doctor referred us to a psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist said, um, she's eccentric. You've moved back. Mm. You're not used to being with her. Everything's Mm -hmm. fine. And I said, I'm not leaving this office until you agree to a brain scan. Right. She needs to have an MRI. And the psychiatrist said no. Um, And I said, I'm still not leaving. And they said, fine, we'll do a CT scan. It's cheaper. (laughs) But the psychiatrist was so sure that there was no problem that they, um, uh, they discharged her. So when the scan was done, there was no one for the scan to go to because the psychiatrist has said, my work here is done. So it went back to her GP, her doctor, and her doctor uh, phoned me and said, um, I've got the scan results. They went back to the radiographer because no one, like no one had a- agreed to look at them. And there are spaces in her brain that shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what this means, but we need to get her to a neurologist. And all of this took, you know, several months, right. um, you know, it was not a quick process, but eventually uh, we ended up with a diagnosis of something called behavioral variant frontal temporal dementia. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a rare brain disease. There is no treatment for it. It's not like regular dementias or Alzheimer's. Yeah. So she still has actually very good memory to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's in, uh, like end of life stages now, but she still knows exactly who I am. Um, you know, all of that's still preserved. It's more like Huntington's disease or ALS, I think they call mm-hmm. it in the States. Um, so like her body just 
you know, stopped working. Disintegrates, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but she, along the way, was, you know, making really bad decisions and gambling and getting oh, into debts and all of these quite out of character behaviors yeah. that kind of left a, a stream of disaster in their wake. Um, and uh, yeah, and I was then still kind of running the businesses, but also trying to get her the right care, sorting out the debts, selling her house. Um, You know, uh, there was a period of time where I would get up at five o'clock in the morning, um, like ride my bike to her house, box up the possessions Mm. ready for the house sale, come home, take a shower, do a normal day's work, and then get back on my bike and go back and do a bit more in the evening. Yeah, um, it sounds like a yeah. boat, a, a boat that's sinking. And as soon as you, you know, <laughs> fix a hole, another hole comes yes. out on the other side, and yeah. another one, and another one, and more. You know, eventually it sinks. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so how your dad's no longer alive? You're still with yeah. your businesses, and yeah. what? To gave you re- respite. I know in the UK you say respite, we say respite. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there was some very long periods of stress and not much respite. Huh. I, yeah. I had a stroke of luck hmm. after my dad had passed away. Yeah. Um, his bank contacted me and they said, we think we might have owed him some money. Oh. Um, for, uh, so I don't know if you have this in the States, but it was, um, PPI. So it was like an insurance policy on loans. Mm -hmm. And for a long time over here, if you took out a loan, you would also have to pay this extra fee Fee. Mm -hmm. for an insurance policy against the loan. And it, turned out that actually that was not an ethical thing for the banks to have done Uh and so then they had to repay people this insurance money Um, and my dad had had a lot of loans in his life so he paid a lot of PPI money so they contacted me and they said do you know if he had savings in 1984 and I was like, I don't know I was five in 1984 (laughs) I have no idea um And they asked me so many questions that I really didn't know the answer to. And then they sent me a letter and they said, we have an offer for you. It is um, our final offer. So you take it or you leave it. (laughs) Um, We'd like to give you £20,000. And I said, yes, I'll take that. Mm. Thank you very much. So with that money, I was. um, it was really important to me that I had a thing like a something to show for it and mm-hmm. that I didn't just have a nice time mm-hmm. you know so um I had always thought about owning a property overseas yeah. um somewhere sunnier than the UK yeah. and um I found a place in Bulgaria mm. so I have a um, an apartment in Bulgaria and uh prior to the last couple of years I would go over there Mm-hmm. you know, maybe three or four times a year, still work, but it was sunny and there was a swimming pool. 
<laughs> oh, and see. nice food. And so I think there's the for, respite for you. <laughs> that was the respite. Yeah. Exactly that. Yes. Yeah. This year I didn't get the respite yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, life happens. <laughs> so when did the neuropsychology become uh, important? Yeah. When did, when did that become a thing? So yeah. actually, um, I guess in a way, COVID was the kickstart to mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So like everybody else, uh, we went into lockdown. Um, I had to change my business model yeah. um, somewhat because a lot of my work is face-to-face -face training, face-to-face yeah. -face coaching. So all of that had to get converted to an online platform. Um, and I would say that's actually been a really good thing. But at the mm -hmm. time, it was very uncomfortable. Well, for um, all of us, yeah. For everyone, exactly. Um, and I kind of, as a result of that, found that I had a little bit of time on my hands. In what and way? Uh, the, 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 you saved on travel time, is that what you mean? Travel time and, yeah, you know, just when you see clients at the end of a session, it's polite to chat about the weather for 15 right, minutes. Right, sure. and they always show up 15 minutes early and, you know, just your day gets eaten into mm -hmm. quite easily. Whereas if you're on Zoom and the session comes to an end, you click a button and they're gone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's much more um, economical with your time. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess, you know, I didn't have staff to manage during that time. So that saved me a ton of time. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I kind of saw lockdown as an, a bit of an opportunity, mm -hmm. you know, I couldn't see my mum, who I was visiting maybe three times a week before mm -hmm. that. I couldn't see my sister. My sister's also in a care home as well. Um, she has uh, special needs and epilepsy. So there mm. was just a lot of stuff that I used to do that would just suck up my time through the week that I wasn't doing anymore. So I thought I want to make this time worthwhile. Right. So I got my house decorated. I did a diploma in Photoshop. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, just you know, a few yeah. little courses that I wanted to do, and I did a course in um, neuropsychology. Uh -huh. And I came to that because I was speaking to a friend one day, and I said, you know, I don't want to feel like I went through this experience with my mum for the last seven years, and I had to learn so much stuff about yeah. the brain and right. you know how it ties in with your personality and psychology. I'm like, I've learned stuff that's really come in handy for my work. You know, I've had clients that have come to see me now where I've sat with them for 15 minutes and said, I'm not the right person for you to work with. You need to go to your doctor and ask for this kind of a test. Right. Tell them that they're looking for this. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what? And I'm like, just trust me, okay? And then yeah. they've written to me afterwards and said, it turned out she had an early onset dementia. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I know. So I'm like, I can't have got all of this knowledge for nothing. Right. You know, it can't just be at the end of it, my mum dies. Right. And I go, well, that was an experience. So I said to my friend, I feel like I still want to work in psychology, but I also want to tie that in with the knowledge I've got about the brain. Like, I feel like I need to be a neurologist and a psychologist, but I don't think that's a thing. And I was on the phone to them and I could hear them typing on their keyboard in the background. Yeah. And um, he said, well, you could be a neuropsychologist. And I was like, that's a thing? Yeah. And he goes, yes, it's a thing. <laughs> Surprise. And I was like, really? So then I found a sort of introductory course, uh, which I took and did really, really well at. 
Um, Good. And then I thought, okay, we're going to start getting serious now. I, I never went to university. Uh-huh. You know, when I left school, I went to college to do nursery nursing. Um, but that's a sort of quite low level qualification. Mm-hmm. So when I started approaching these universities and they were saying, you know, tell us about your qualifications. And I'm like, well, they're holistic. There were alternative therapies. Um, So there was a lot of them that were not really keen to take me on. Yes, absolutely. Um, Of course. Because I'm not from an academic background. Mm -hmm. So I kind of re, uh, like revisited what I was telling them and how I was positioning myself. And I made it more. (laughs) Yeah, my pitch. Yeah. Yeah, perfected my pitch. I changed what I was saying to really just reflect the experiences I've had. Oh, okay. And you know, this is my this is what my experience with my sister has been. This is the experience with my mum. This is what I do for a job. Um, this is now, you know, where that's taken me to yeah, yeah, and the yeah. people that I mentor. Um and I actually had a couple of universities that came back to me in the end, but the the one that came back to me first said, don't see any problems with taking you on. And I was like, okay, now I don't really know anything about the steps, you know, the progression that people follow when they go into um, academics. Mm -hmm. So I just thought, okay, I'm going to university (laughs) and I'm going to start studying. No, no. Yeah. Well, I know what those steps are. I am an (laughs) academic. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, that's not automatic. (laughs) No. So I, I kind of, um, had got enrolled and then I thought, you know, I want to see what my steps are after this and I spoke to my local university well, what about, did they um, what courses going... did they make you take to um fill in what so um yeah I'm doing I'm doing psychology first yeah um so neuropsychology is actually quite a new qualification, qualification. so you mm-hmm. have to go down psychology doctorate first, first. Mm-hmm. then you do an add-on to do the neuropsychology mm-hmm. part so I went to um the University of Hertfordshire and mm-hmm. said, after I've done this degree, um, like, what do I need to do to get onto a doctorate? And they wrote back to me and they said, so well, you're interested it in getting like- it into the doctorate or you were, are you in yes. a doctoral degree now? Not yet. No. Uh-huh. So that would hopefully be, um, the year after this now, one. If t- um, in order to practice, you have to go through that, correct? Yeah. 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 And that so would they, be- they said, Two plus three, is that five altogether? As in years? Yeah. Yes, uh-huh. yes. So okay. um, so what I didn't realize when I signed up to the course that I'm on, so the University of Hertfordshire came back and they said, yes, you can do the doctorate um, if you pass what you're doing, which is probably a master's conversion course. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. And I went, uh-huh, yep, it, yep, probably is that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. And then I kind of came back and went, what, what exactly am I doing and what exactly is that? At which point I realized that all of the universities that had rejected me had said uh, no to me doing a bachelor's because uh, I didn't have enough points to do a bachelor's. see your credits, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I was like, well what am I doing then? If I'm not doing a bachelor's, what what exactly am I doing? So then I looked at it and I was like, oh, I'm not just doing a master's, I'm doing a master's conversion. 
-hmm. which implies I've already got enough under my belt yes. to be the yes. equivalent of a master's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then which I'm is like, fine. So, this is, I mean, you know, this is yeah. where you should go. This is your entry yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. So now um, you're at the and, second year. Is this, is that correct? Uh, I, I am. So I'm doing part time. So technically ah, I'm still okay. in my first year at the okay. moment. I'm spreading so over we'll a, a talk in about yeah. six years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping that by the time I do the doctorate, I will be able to do that full time. Um, so for this conversion course, it's two years. Um, and that's on part-time, so that's not well, too bad. Well, it's fabulous because this is such a, um, how can I say, it's it's a leap. It is not a leap because all of the things you have done so far have yeah. been such leaps and bounds, really. Yeah, this, yeah, build up, really. This is something that's so fine-tuned that mm. you know exactly where you will be going afterwards, yes. you know, yeah. uh, which is fascinating it's fascinating because yeah. you've characterized yourself in a way you've never done before really mm. um yeah. okay let's say that the two marketing uh, courses uh, you know like band-aids you put them on you take them off that's yeah. no big yeah. deal this is something that you really all right i'll tell you the way um someone told me when i did, got into it they said look when you finish your phd you are going to be part of a club of a select mm. few in your mm. field. And you will be so proud of yourself. You'll be an expert in that field. And the first mm. thing I thought, hmm, what do I want to do that for? <laughs> the first thing I thought was, <laughs> what am I going to do that for? And I yeah. didn't realize until after after yeah. I had finished, and I'm not joking, when I, and I too had done it part time, yeah. um, I I was in the writing process. The final year, uh, there were nine chapters, mm -hmm. and the sixth chapter was the chapter of research and the findings. Yeah. I had to do that five times. I was ready oh. to. I knew it was in August. I remember it was very hot here in Italy, yeah. and my and I had done it with um, Harriet Watt University um, in in Scotland. And my wonderful <laughs> supervisor said, "Now, now, now, no, 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 don't, don't, don't talk about towels. You're not going to th throw in a towel." You're right yeah. there. You're right at the end. I thought, no, he doesn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> and then, lo and behold, okay, that was August. I handed it in in October. Then I had the Viva, the, the defense in, I think it was December. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, look, come in, come with your PhD and mm -hmm. read it all once again and put all of yeah. the stickets, you know, the stickers, those, what do you call yeah. them, post-its, and Post just, it, just yeah. in case they get give you all these questions here and there and there. And so that's what I did. Yeah. I came with this big, huge thing of photocopies and put post-its yeah. all over. And there was an outside um, uh, uh, representative from the, the academic world who I, had, I knew from Germany. But she right. was not friendly at all. Oh. <laughs> at all. The first oh. question. The first question was, According to you, what discipline does this uh, work fall into? And she, and I thought, she's really trying me, you know, because mm -hmm. she was a conference interpreter and a researcher. Right. And that was, I was, you know, and it was social linguistics. But anyway, um, and this went on for, I oh got it. It seemed like a day, but it must have been a couple of hours. 
And at the end, we went out because my supervisor was able to say there, but he could not speak in the UK, at least there. They don't speak. Um, And there was an in-house professor who I'd known very briefly. I just met. I didn't know her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Afterwards, we went out and they, you know, talked and... uh, my supervisor said, that was fantastic. That was the best defense. And I thought, what, is he kidding me? I thought, you know, I'm not having been, you know. And so, you know, that really pulled up my morale. And, uh, and then, of course, after, since I, I'm in the, in the uh, academic world, I understand what he says at, at yeah. that time, because now I supervise PhDs as well. And, right. you know, and the biggest, um, Gemma, why I'm sell- telling you this is the biggest and most important um, side to the PhD is mm-hmm. not that club because, you you know, I don't like yeah. clubs. <laughs> it's not the club. <laughs> and it's not even any money that will come to you directly mm-hmm. or indirectly. It is the satisfaction that you have produced an original piece of, of research and no yes. one will ever take that away from you. Years yeah, after I had yeah. written that and I published it, I thought, my God, I can't believe I wrote that. I can't believe I wrote mm-hmm. that. It's phenomenal, you know. I, yeah, I, yeah. But, and, and what is interesting about it is it allows you to literally cut through people's mindsets and understanding yeah. what they reason. You just pull things apart very easily. You yeah. know, abstractly, you become a whiz which is um which is such a joy it's it's yeah you know if that's what you like to do it's it's fantastic it's fantastic i'm really enjoying being back in a learning zone again yes 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 you know um and i think because for the work that i do you know once again i've found myself in a situation where in in my own bubble, I'm kind of at the top of my game. Yeah, you know, when it, it right. comes to me and my franchisees, I'm kind of the one that's overseeing what they're doing. Right. And it's a bit like, oh, I'm kind of hungry for someone to tell me something I don't know. Yeah, right. You yeah. know? <laughs> yeah, but you can always um, learn something else. You know, there's always that. Yes. And, you know, if you yeah. run out of things, just start studying Russian or Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be a stretch. Japanese. (laughs) Or Bulgarian, maybe, for me. Ah, that's Um, right. Yeah. Then maybe you can be an interpreter at the EU. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So it's it's just been really nice to sort of immerse myself into something that there's elements of it where I go, oh, I kind of know this. And so there's a bit of a confidence boost. And then other bits of it where I'm like, I did not know that. I need to remember it. You know, and it's 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 a challenge, um, isn't it? I mean, it really is a challenge. And sometimes I used to, there were days that I would put things on my kitchen table all over, posters Mm -hmm. trying to understand things. And then other times, I mean, and the writing process, my God. Oh, yes. I began with an idea and, and in over the course of three, four years, it completely changed, yeah. completely yeah. changed. I thought, my God. It's so funny you, you say about the writing. I um, So I was writing already because I do articles. I've written right, a couple of, of books. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, you know, I'm, I'm fine with writing. No. Then um, the essays came along uh, and I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> And you know they're a different they're a different There's animal. A different they're genre. A different, There's a different, a different genre. Style. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. So in term one, my thinking was, my goal is to pass these essays, and if I pass, I can build from there. 
you know yeah. that's the key thing is i need to pass anyway i um i didn't know anything about like the number of references that there needs, needs oh, to be yeah, the next I know, day I know, I know, I know. and because i'm I, on a master's conversion know, they assume everybody know. knows that stuff no already, and then right? you don't so, get much support which is zero terrible. support really yeah. yeah so three essays or you know three pieces of work um two i passed one i failed and the one that i failed i knew i'd failed it because ah. as soon as i submitted it um someone in a little uni group that i'm in said oh i had like close to 45 references in that piece oh. of work and i was like <laughs> i had like six yeah, six. yeah. how long was Is that the not essay? right should there be more than how six, long was you the know? essay so um it was i think 2000 words nah, sure something it's a like short that. thing yeah Very it was a short, short. one mm -hmm. so i th felt i failed by like two marks and so i thought well you know what if i failed on not referencing enough that means that it's easy to the bit to, that yeah. uh, i've i've done good content yeah i haven't failed on my content so that's good so anyway, for weeks, I was kind of, ah, you know, a bit down on myself because yeah. I'd failed this one. I was going to have to redo it. Well, and Jenna, then I let, really me, let me stop at... you over here just for a moment. Yeah. So we have this business and that's like a baby that's starting to walk on its own two feet and you yeah. oversee, like you say, you know, I'm still overseeing yeah. other, I uh, I want yes. somebody to teach me something new. Um, yeah. Let's, let's look ahead in a couple of years, maybe four or five yeah. years and see you as a neuropsychologist and of course you're going yeah. to want to have a practice yes um, that is where the fun comes right yeah and yeah. what according to you what would you do with that business that you have now would you keep it would you i don't know have somebody do what you're doing now what yeah i think that i'm already in the process of firing myself from the jobs that actually <laughs> don't need me <laughs> um and there's a lot that i do that doesn't need me to be the right. person that does them right so if i can get to a point where all i do is see my clients then actually that would give me back a ton of time and a life. You know, it, would it gives you a get life. Me through. Mm. Yeah, it would. It would certainly keep me keep me going. Um, so I think that's a very plausible um, outcome. You know that maybe in the future I'll be doing my neuropsychology work, but <laughs> as a sideline, I'll still be seeing my clients, and the business will still be running. But mm -hmm. the day to day stuff will be taken care of by somebody yeah, else. Well, you'll have different clients too. From the neuro yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let's ha let's know, strike a deal, okay? Yes. Um, when this is all over, you'll come back and tell yeah. us about it. Yes. How's that? Okay. Yeah. That's a promise. Definitely. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to sort of listen back on myself oh. and kind of go like, "Wow, that didn't go the way I thought it was going to go." <laughs> you know, because yeah. the thing I was going to say about the essays, the two that I passed, I re-looked at the scoring sheet six weeks later mm -hmm. and realized that I'd got merits. Mm. I just spent the last six weeks going, well, you failed one, but at least you passed the other two. And then I looked at it and went, now, hang on a minute. You failed by two marks. The other two, you got merits. Mm -hmm. And you didn't know what you were doing. That's yeah. kind of a big deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. So the, on the scales, it's tipping on the right side. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much, Gemma, for having uh, spent some time with us. It was so, so interesting. And I have the promise for a return. Yes. Right? 100%. Okay. I'd love to. <laughs> you have a nice day and I'll write to you. Okay. Love. Bye. Take bye. care. Thank you. Bye See bye. you too.